Welcome to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series. This podcast presents topical global business stories that affect Bermuda. Series host Shivani Seth interviews business leaders and experts in finance, insurance, reinsurance, risk, accounting, and other business services. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RG Navigate and Business podcast series. I'm Shivani Sate and I'm your host. Today's podcast is on real estate. I'm very pleased to welcome my two guests today, Suzanne Stones and Steve Bowie from Bermuda Valuers and Appraisers Limited. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. The real estate sector, and in particular the luxury residential sector, recorded a boom in 2021. There is a fear that current supply levels cannot meet demand in the residential sector. We have seen a lot of private sector construction, but at the same time, there is a lot of empty commercial real estate. I'm really looking forward to discussing the real estate sector with you both today. So Suzanne and Steve, let's kick this one off. Uh, Please, could you tell me a little bit about your work? What does it entail? Do you specialise in only residential properties or do you also look at commercial real estate? Thank you very much for having us on today. We've been looking forward to discussing our, our real estate expertise with you or Um, Bermuda Valuers and Appraisers, we are two years old or thereabouts, and we specialise in both residential and commercial real estate valuation work. We do work for a variety of clients, whether it's banks, lawyers, trust companies, um, private individuals who either just want to know what their house is worth, or whether it's because they're thinking about putting on the market, or whether it's because they want to put a bid in to purchase. We also do a lot of work for matrimonial and probate settlement as well. So it's a really varied um, cross-section of the whole real estate sector. Um, as I say, we've been going for nearly two years now, and in that time we've valued close to a billion dollars worth of real estate in Bermuda, wow. which is really quite staggering when you think about it for just two years. Um, and in that time it's been over seven, 800 transactions as well, real estate, sorry, valuation transactions. So we've been doing really well. That's amazing. Amazing statistic. Well, thanks to uh, our clients who've been very supportive as well. <laughs> okay, so um, what I want to discuss today is I want everybody to really understand A, what you're doing and also B, what's actually happening in Bermuda. So let me kick off my questions. With inflation rates at an all-time high over the last 30 years, clearly the period of enjoying low interest rates in Bermuda is coming to an end. What do you feel it means for real estate here in Bermuda? You know, there are some concerns surrounding the real estate component in the CPI calculation. Do you feel that's correctly calculated? What is really the picture here? Um, We continue to see growth uh, and numerous sales coming through, um, which we think will continue. As long as supply continues, we believe demand will continue. We've seen great growth. Uh, Undoubtedly, increasing interest rates will have an impact on people's ability to borrow, uh, and to, to repay loans. I think it's important to add to also the, the CPI component. The, my understanding of it is that the real estate section of the CPI is, is based on rentals. It's, um, so you've got your, you know, your, your basket of goods, your 10 key points that help you know, factor, yes. factor in the CPI or calculate the CPI. And rental, residential rentals, uh, is the real estate component. That is a very fluctuating market. Uh, at the moment, it's incredibly buoyant. You speak to the real estate rental specialists and they have not got nearly enough supply to meet the demand 
but in six months' time or in 12 months' time, it could be a completely different story. I mean, right. it, it could have peaked and, and fallen and then peaked again. So it's a little bit... Um, you have to tr- you have to take that bit with a pinch of salt, I think, in terms of how it impacts the CPI. And we have also seen over the last few years a greater number of people putting more cash in rather than taking greater loans out. Um, some of these people may have saved money during pandemics. Some of them uh, may be, as we've seen uh, amongst the BOTCs, uh, using their bonuses, etc., to pay off large chunks and therefore aren't so reliant on the interest rates. Right. Okay. Very valid point. And actually, as you... As you talk about that, let me talk a little bit about loans and deposits. So through my own research, um, and again, please correct me if this is wrong, but loans and deposits data that I've taken from the BMA's quarterly bulletin show a downward trend in Bermuda lending, as you just said right now. So since 2012, there's been a downward trend from $5.2 billion to $3.1 billion, and that's as of Q3 2021. On the flip side, COVID has caused a cash build-up or a war chest, where we've seen cash being held as deposits across banks in Bermuda dollars increasing by half a billion. So it went from $3.4 billion in Q4 2019 to $3.9 billion by Q1 2021. I'm sure this is actually even higher now. So, you know, it seems like sale activity is on a downward trend, Bermuda Realty figures recorded for 2008 show 708 sales compared to 211 sales recorded by the Land Registry in 2021. However, the impression I feel we get from realtors is that sales are much higher. What do you feel is the real picture? Just going back to 2008, it was a phenomenal year for property. Um, Interest rates were low, global optimism was high, people were being encouraged to buy their own properties. Yes. There's a huge new supply of purpose-built condos coming onto the market. Everybody was happy. Um, nobody had heard recession. Um, everybody was buy, buy, buy. And in addition to that, a large number, that 708, I think it was, properties were fractionals. Right. Uh, I think there's about 70 fractionals included in that, those okay. figures. Also, with regard to the 2021 figures, there's a, there's a time lag before from a property being sold and it being recorded. So we will find there'll be more coming into 2021 figues on top of the 2011 we've already seen. Right. There's a small time now. Okay. I mean, we, my um, research and, and the data that we have available to us is that there's been, in 2021, so far registered about 240 sales transactions, okay. um, of which the average sales price is 1.2 million, which is significantly higher than the average sale in 2008, where... As Steve says, you know, you've got the entry-level condos, yes. which will bring the bring the average down. Um, what's interesting to note, actually, about the 2021 sales is that the cumulative sales transactions is almost $300 million, um, as opposed to in 2020 when it was just over $230 million. So there is a lot more volume in terms of receipts okay. from, from real estate transactions. Um, the other thing to be cognizant of is that during... 2021, we have seen a lot more acquisitions in the peripheral parishes of the island, whether right. it's St George's or Sands Parish. Um, certainly, when you know there was more of a recession going on and the real estate market had slumped somewhat, central parish locations were more affordable, okay. which meant that people didn't want to be in those outlying areas. Now, whether it's because of COVID and people are working from home more 
or whether it's because uh, house prices have gone up in the central parishes, people are more willing to look at those outlying areas. Perhaps so a better quality of life as well, exactly. if you're working yeah. from home. Exactly right. And if you're only yeah. coming to work three days a week or not coming to work at all, yes. you'd rather be by the beach Correct. Um, <laughs> rather than the office. So yeah, And if you've only got a short commute, it's only a 20-minute commute, you can quite happily do that three times a week rather than five times a week. Just quality and of life thing. Yeah, no, definitely. So, you know, just talking about those sales, what kind of trends are you noticing in the real estate market? Are they sort of high-end, luxury? Are they BOTCs? Are they digital nomads? There's a lot happening in Bermuda and a lot of changes in in the legal requirements around a person buying in Bermuda. So, you know, have you have you seen any fluctuations there? When we went into lockdown COVID first outbreak we I think everybody predicted there'd be a decrease in property values um, we were quite surprised when we came out to find certain sectors doing extremely well possibly even better than pre COVID okay um, two sectors in particular were those houses being bought by overseas buyers uh, but the one that really shocked me in particular was the lower end of the market um, in good locations but the four hundred five hundred thousand dollar property Mm-hmm. Uh, which needed some work, uh, but wasn't too big. I think a lot of people came out of lockdown thinking, I want to stop renting or I want to move out from my parents' house and have my own place. Right. So that market, we saw properties which had been standing for two or three years going into a bidding war situation, wow. which is quite surprising uh, and great. It's a, people getting in the lower end of the ladder helps people move up one step above that. Um the, the next stage we've seen recently, the most important one, I think, is the BOTCs. Um, a lot of them have been here for a while, paying hef- healthy rents. Um, <laughs> you about to say hefty. I was about, yes. <laughs> um, and they have now the ability to buy purchase. Okay. Um, they're confident enough in Bermuda's economy and its, its future to invest quite a lot of money. And they are looking at the two to five million mark, which seems to be the, 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 the sort of target market. And um, they are—they have their preferred locations, some of which they have been living in, they're used to, their neighbours and similar type people, uh, and they want to stay there. However, they, as the landlords look at the rental returns, they are seeing that they can get better capital values by, by selling the assets. Right. Um, and we've seen two or three properties which we thought was worth x as per what is sold before uh going for much higher values as these parties outbid each other right on the same properties almost bidding war i think yes. the thing also just to bounce off that point is that people who have been renting for a long period of time um botc people in particular they're not necessarily as reliant on a mortgage as other people in the market at the moment and as such, you know, they don't need to satisfy the bank's lending criteria of having an appraisal done. And so they can pay a little bit over and above what the asking price what should the be, mar- what the asking price should be or yes. what the market should support, given the comparable evidence that's available. And I think that's quite interesting because then as soon as those sales transactions go through, then that becomes new sales evidence. Right. Right. And, you know, that they have obviously built a pot, as you say, they've they've built They've been here for so long. They're able to go not have to go through the banks. But what does that mean for digital nomads? So thinking out loud, um, 
you imagine that digital nomads have come here. They equally have a healthy pot of money, in my opinion. Uh, are, are you seeing any of them buying now? It's COVID is, seems to be calming down, but I think they're enjoying the lifestyle here. Certainly some that I've spoken to. Digital nomads, I think, are here renting. Um, however, in the luxury market, the international purchaser buyer market, um, we've seen in 2021 at least 10 properties that have sold over $4 million. Wow. Okay. Um, and a couple of those have been over $10 million, which is just crazy when you think about it, really. Um, and I don't know whether those are digital nomads, but there's certainly people who have an affinity for Bermuda, who like the lifestyle here, who like being able to jump on their private jet and come down for a long weekend and enjoy the lifestyle. And they've got the money to be able to do that. Okay. I think I need to give them my number. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly the digital nomads have helped suck up some of the vacant space which has become available because of the, uh, the pandemic and the lack of tourists. Uh, so the, a lot of the digital nomads have been taking up space which would have been occupied by Airbnb occupiers. Right. So, okay. Um, whether I'm not sure how many of those digital nomads will turn into actual purchases uh, with the criteria for overseas purchases being quite high. Yes. Um, some... Some digital nomads may have lots of money, but yeah. It's an incredibly so. interesting time for real estate in Bermuda. Mm. So it, when you look at construction activity, just moving sector a little bit, it appears to be high. But, you know, is this surely not skewed by public sector construction? Uh, what, what do you feel is happening in the construction sector? Are there any large scale projects on the horizon? Um. We're not aware of any public works that are becoming like, like the airport. Um, we've got, hopefully, the Southampton Princess refurbishment. Okay. Um, phase three of Azura. Um, we've got smaller redevelopments such as Sharon Lane. There's a condo complex coming up there. Uh, Aerial Sands, hopefully. Um, and also, hopefully, Caroline Bay coming back online. Wait to see on that one. Uh, but there are also smaller individual development areas like Riddles Bay. Yes. where individuals are buying up tracts of land and redeveloping themselves. Um, Whitecrest Hill, uh, which I think is coming online soon as well, uh, which has seen a phenomenal amount of interest. And again, uh, would those be from local residents or would they are, are they again a combination of... What we've seen is a combination of BTOCs and people local residents who as well, but mainly BTOCs and PRCs. Okay. That's, that's actually, you know, when I think about it, that, that is, does shine a very positive light on Bermuda because it does show that, as you said earlier, correctly so, that pe we are, people are confident, people have BOTC, people have PRCs, they're confident in their future. And I wonder if they would have felt like that two years ago pre-COVID. I in some ways feel that COVID has caused all of us to rethink our lifestyles mm -hmm. and think, actually, you know, Bermuda's a fantastic place. So let's hope it continues to build us. And the one thing that gives us confidence, these people have access to financial information. Yes. They're well educated in the ways of the world and they feel comfortable to be investing two, three, five million dollars in Bermuda. Gives us a bit of hope. It does. Comfort, indeed. I should say. It does. So moving to the commercial market, what, what is happening in the commercial market? I know certainly when I drive around, you see many empty commercial units. Twen again, a few more stats that I've looked into. 2020 had six commercial sales averaging around 1.3 million. 2021 had four sales averaging 1.23 million. Has the commercial market dried up? I don't think it's necessarily a case that it's dried up or certainly not 
in the last six, nine, 12 months. I mean, the commercial market has been in a little bit of difficulty, shall we say, for, for a reasonable period of time. Um, looking at Property Skipper at the moment, there's around 38 commercial listings on there for sale. But that is not just in the city of Hamilton. You know, it's any any commercial on, on okay. the whole island. Um, but we are seeing that there is interest in owner occupiers in particular who want to, you know, move out of paying rent somewhere. So they're looking at buying and then having maybe another unit in that commercial space that they can rent out much like a much like a residential tenant who wants to you know get an extra little bit of income in to help support their mortgage so there, there is interest in that owner occupier sector and if i might just say it's because a lot of the time it's a lot cheaper for them to buy an existing building than right. it would be to buy the land and build their own okay uh, building costs are high building materials are going to be going to the roof shortage of labour, labour labor costs higher as well. There is that demand, um, and that's not just in the city of Hamilton either, it's, it's in the surrounding areas. Where there is perhaps more of a stagnant market is in the traditional commercial office space in the city. Um, and yes, there are properties for sale, but there's also a lot of rental floor plates that are up for you know that the, yes. the are vacant at the moment okay um and that's been the case for a number of years it's not just a since we've come out of the pandemic um it's, it's been a bit of a worrying situation for a period of time i think okay what well, certainly with the office um market what we've seen is uh, a lot of movement to the west down towards the waterfront development waterloo house point yes, house yes um that's, that's the migration keeps continuing which means that once prime Locations have become secondary. They can't command the rents that they were. Um, and some of them are becoming dated. They're 10, 15 years old and will need updating. Now, the cost of updating these properties to bring them up to modern specifications are, again, high. Um, and you're not going to get the rental returns, even if you'd carry out the work, because it's just in the wrong location. Everybody right. wants to be down on the waterfront. So, so what does that mean? I'm thinking if I fast forward a little bit, does that mean Good we'll question. have lots of empty uh, commercial spaces perhaps that start becoming to look a little bit derelict if they need that upgrade and, and the money's not there for it? I think there's, I mean, there's only so much space there at the waterfront and in that, that sort of A-plus area. Yes. So once that's all gone, then those areas that were previously... A-class a offices will have to be occupied again. But I think landlords are just going to have to be more realistic in accepting lower rents or even offering more incentives in order to get the tenants in, whether it's rent-free periods, whether it's concessions on fit-out. Um, those are just some of the options. Or a flexible lease term. I don't think there's going to be a situation where landlords are going to be able to demand a, a long 10-year lease. Right. It's going to be more three to five years or three years with an option to renew. Um, but obviously, the problem that you've got is that if you're not getting the longer, if you're not getting the longer lease terms, if you're not getting the high rents, then that's going to have a knock-on effect when you capitalise your rentals out to get the get the capital value. So, depending on what the overall aims and objectives are of the landlord, they may have to think very carefully whether they can afford to sit with an or have an office which is empty or fifty percent vacant or whether it's better just to get somebody in paying a, a minimal rent as long as the service charge is covered. Right, and and hopefully in the future they'll also think about redoing them or some, some big investor will come along and think, you know, 
let's let's redo these buildings they need to be upgraded or what we seem to be seeing is alternative uses um office buildings being turned into cell storage units or interesting modular um short-term office plans those have been very successful some of the older buildings some of the commercial buildings in town um would lend themselves aesthetically to residential conversion and I think there were so, uh, condos, more condos more, in town, more condos in town by converting some of the office buildings. But the problem with that is that the cost of doing so are again yeah. a, a, a very high because you need, you know, extra fire escapes that you yes. need, you know, a lot of the older buildings in town do not have uh, fire suppression systems. So you'd have to add all of that in. And then, you know, the, the dollars are adding up very quickly. You need, you need the deep pockets yeah, to be able to do all pockets. of that. Interesting. Let's see. Let's see where it takes us. Uh, so in terms of the work that you both offer and help individuals with, how does it help us actually understand what's happening in the real estate sector here? You've given some very valuable statistics today. You've told me about sales, the, the time lags and why some of the figures might not quite be up to date. But the work that you do, it's very diverse. It's very, very interesting. How, how does it help? Um, obviously, we advise on people looking to buy, purchase, um, people looking to sell, making sure they've got the right sales price. Very important when you list a building to have it realistically priced. Okay. Otherwise, if it's set too high and it stays on the market too long, it stagnates. That those are the majority or a lot of our work is based on advising buy purchasers and sellers alike. Uh, also, as Susie mentioned earlier, probate, uh, matrimonial, uh, but also one thing I think is vital uh, where we do add value, or like to perceive we add value, is when people are looking to spend money on improving or extending their existing property, in particular homes. So often we get called to value a property post-extension. Okay. Uh, the owner thinks the value of the property is what he paid for it, plus what he's paid for the extensions. Now, it doesn't always correlate. If it's in the wrong location, it doesn't matter what you do to that property. If you extend it and make it double Sometimes you can overdevelop a piece of property. So what we we like doing is advising people prior to those improvements, strict extensions happening, to make sure that when they come to capitalise that, the amount of work they put into is relevant and pertinent to the price that they're going to achieve when they sell it. An invaluable service that you're both offering. Thank you. We like to think so. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I mean, Steve and I, we're both um, chartered valuations fairs. Um, in addition to that, we're both registered valuers with the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. We've been, both of us have been on island for 12 years now, 13, 13. years, 13 years. Um, so we have, we have been working in this field in Bermuda for quite a significant period of time. And we are an independent practice as well. So we are not... Um, tied to any of the agencies which helps us because a we can remain very independent and provide very impartial advice but we do also have a very good relationship with agents from a cross-section of the real estate companies who we can phone and say hey you've had this property on the market for this period of time how much interest have you had if you've had five offers then that's really good evidence that the, the value, that, or sorry, the, the list price that they've put on it is is somewhere where it should be. Exactly. If they yeah. say, oh, you know, we've we've been sat on this property for a year, we've had one offer, but it was way lower, then that also gives a, gives us a good insight. So I think our, our independence, our qualifications, and our network of um, 
you know, agents around the island, and not just agents, but, you know, contractors, quantity surveyors, yes. project managers, we can all have a dialogue together and hope that we can provide the right advice to our clients. And are there many chartered surveyors, qualified chartered surveyors here in Bermuda? People who are actively valuing yeah. property at the moment, I think there's about six or yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously the quantity surveyors and you know, other other disciplines within Land the RICS. Yeah. Um, and we're also on the um, panel for all of the lending institutions on okay. the island, um, as well as all the you know, law firms, accountancy firms as well. You know, there's, there's, there are people who... Um, who take comfort in the fact that you know we we can provide that advice to all of the various lenders because if you as a person saying oh look I'm I'm thinking about buying this house um, I haven't got my financing sorted yet and we say okay well let's do the appraisal for you and then down the line when you decide who you want it to go to we can send a copy to that to that bank yes. and you know it, it's comforting that any of the banks will accept our, our valuation reports. And I think due to us being part of the RICS, we are duty-bound to report what we believe the market value to be, whether we be acting for the buyer, the seller, the trustee, the probate officer. Um, it'd be the same value. If you ask us for the open market value of a property, we are duty-bound to report what we believe is the market value. As I say, depend, it doesn't matter who we're working for. It should always be the same figure. And I think that's really the key point here. Yeah. So thank you for mentioning that. Your final thoughts then, what do you? What are your thoughts or forecasts about the real estate market here in Bermuda over the next, I'd written two to five years, but that feels quite wide now, probably yeah. 18 to 36 <laughs> months, I'm changing my question. I think as we mentioned earlier, uh, with the uh, B- BOTCs, um, purchasing with their financial knowledge, we're, we're confident in the short term. Um, we are both confident um, that we're going to be staying here for quite a while longer yet. Um, this is our Cautiously home. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Say, Cautiously yeah. optimistic. Okay. I think everything that you've provided me today has been incredibly invaluable and I think it explains it a lot better. We, we read a lot in the newspapers. We're uncertain about what's actually happening in the real estate market. And I feel we've covered a lot of ground. So I thank you very much for coming on today to discuss this with me. Uh, so I'd like to thank my guests Steve Bowie and Suzanne Stones and I've been your host Shivani Sate. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.